Welcome to the Live from Lake Balfour podcast. I'm Maddie Wasserman. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this week's episode. Today we are going to be talking about one of my favorite days of the summer each year, and that is 12's basketball. And not just the tournament, because obviously the encore basketball is great, but really everything that surrounds it and the evolution of how it came to be this way is really interesting. And we're going to be talking about how this t- tournament has transformed to mean so much more through the eras. And I'm really looking forward to talking about it all with Greg and Danny Silver. Guys, long time no speak. How you guys doing? I'm doing great, Maddie. Good to see you, buddy. Doing great, Maddie. Happy March Madness. Yes, happy March Madness. So in the spirit of March Madness, what we are going to be doing today is we are going to be breaking down our favorite tournament at camp, which is, of course, 12's basketball. Now, for some of you older alumni out there, you're going to open this podcast. You're going to be like, really? They're doing an entire episode on 12's basketball? And for some of the newer campers, you're going to be like, of course we're doing a podcast on 12's. It's one of the most iconic days of the summer every year. So what we're going to do today is we're going to break down the evolution of how 12's basketball went from a little gimmicky thing on the side, just an ordinary in a camp, to 12's. We're going to be able to break all that down, right? Yeah, Danny, are we... Is this 12's basketball? What is this? This is something that needs no other clarification or distinction than just simply 12's. 12's. You don't need to say 12's basketball. You don't need to say 12 and under. It's just 12's. Those boys are not 11. Those boys are not 11. Those boys are not 13. Those boys are 12. (laughs) So let's right. get into a little bit of the evolution because I know, Danny, you said this to me beforehand. 12s used to be just like any other inner camp. It wasn't paid a lot of attention to. So why don't you take us through the history of some of that for us younger people that just know 12s as the event that it is today? So before it became the event simply known as 12s, it actually wasn't at Baco. When Greg and I were growing up in camp, and I'm going to let Greg talk more about this, it was at another camp um, during our childhood. When Greg was 12, he played in it at another camp. When I was 10, I played in it at another camp. And then it went away for a while. Um, and then it brought back, it got back to Baco in 1997, I believe, uh, is our first year hosting So for it. some of our... And for the... F- so for some of our newer listeners, would you equate that to the way like 15s right now is kind of in a dead period where like it's waiting for someone to pick it back up? Uh, yes, I think that's a decent analogy. It's not perfect. But when we picked it up in 97, it was almost as if we picked it up and we almost purposefully didn't want it to be like 14s. It was very dialed down. The the participants were younger. 14s was kind of our crown jewel uh, basketball tournament that we hosted. And we didn't really want to like water it down by trying to duplicate it. Um, That's kind of how it was. And then somewhere around 2010, I'm sure we'll get more into this. Greg made it, I guess, a spectacle. um, And it became something way more than just a day in camp. And it just became you know, this magical day that now a whole generation of camp just simply knows it as 12s and it's this special day. And we'll get more into that, I think. But that's kind of the way it was. It was like at another camp, we picked it up. We tried to keep it healthily appropriate for the age that it was. And then it slowly but surely evolved. Well, Right, Greg? Is that how you remember? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm not one to brag about my athletic achievements in my life. Uh, 
I was a pretty good athlete for pretty much my whole childhood. I had some peaks and valleys, but you know, like I was the third tennis seed in the junior division tournament in 88, but I got knocked out in the quarters, which was also known as the second round, uh, to the, to the eventual champion though. Um, but when I was 12, we played the basketball, I was a basketball junkie back then. We played the tournament at another camp and we, we had a really formidable like starting five and maybe like a pretty strong sixth man, I believe. And we, at the, in the semis, Uncle Josh Farben stole the ball at the end and had a breakaway layup to win the game, and he missed it. And I put the put back in, and we won that game like pretty much at the buzzer. I remember. And then in the finals, we we won handily, and we and we won that tournament, and like pretty much just set up my camp career for the next. Sounds four or five sounds years. like your apex. I leaned on that apex forever, You know, I still kind of lean on it. Um, and, and then, and then ab- yeah, and then after that, that was nineteen ninety. I played in it in 91 and I believe it didn't exist for six years after that um, until Baco picked it up in 97. And, um, you know, and the rest is just a a great history that I'm sure we're going to dive into here. When Danny and I were doing a, when I was with Danny the other day, yesterday, for the first time in like probably the longest I've ever gone without seeing Danny. I hadn't seen him since December. And we were hanging out yesterday talking about this podcast. And I, I don't think I realized that the 12s basketball or 12s started at Baco in 97. I mean, that's 23, 24 years ago. I, to me, it still kind of feels it's, new, you know? It still seems new to me, too. And I'm sure to a lot of listeners, this podcast, 1997, might as well be 1977, you know? So, I mean, there was a whole career of camp kids where 12s wasn't a thing i mean basically from 91 you know from 92 93 94 95 96 there was no 12s i mean imagine a world with no 12s well we all lived in one um back then it's like a world with no oxygen yeah yeah and you know like you guys mentioned the type of thing where even after bako picks it up it goes through this period where you didn't really want to put pressure on 14s and like just like address the elephant in the room, right? These kids are still young, 12 years old. It's a lot of pressure to play in front of everyone on the hill with everyone watching and the adrenaline and you know people are going to rush the court if you win and they're all hyped up. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on kids that are 11 years old, 12 years old. And that's part of the delegate. Oh, hold on, hold on, Maddie. Hold on, Maddie. They're not 11. They're 12. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give you some specific examples of – what we did. So, you know, that, you know, 14s is one of those days in camp where no trips are going out. Yeah. Maybe you send out the youngest kids, but they're back by the finals. Um, you know, there's basically the schedule is geared around the courts and it's one of those special days in camp where there's like a different routine that everybody knows. 12s was one of those things where it wasn't like that. I remember one year, this is back when the senior trip used to be ninth, 10th and 11th grade. It was a three day trip. 12s was during that trip. So the eighth grade were the waiters and the eighth grade were the oldest kids. They were a year older than the 12 year olds and they got painted up and were like the waiters for 12s, but it was like a very minimized version of it. I mean, and then there were other days where I, I remember 12s would be going on and half the camp w- wouldn't even be in camp. It was almost like we wanted to clear out the place because we were going to have, you know, we were going to host a bunch of young kids to play basketball. Um, but boy, is it different now. <laughs> well, I mean, one, one thing that I think 
makes Baco, there's many things that make Baco unique. I think one thing that we've really uh, showed a lot of um, consistency with and we have a lot of pride in is that you can be a star athlete at Baco and it almost teaches you to be humble because the, the way it's structured at camp, the way the activities are, the way you play with your bunk and your group all the way through age 12 until you get to be 13 when we start doing electives and that stuff. <clears throat> if you can be a superstar athlete like a Lee River or a Sam Ower and your best friend could be a, a kid that's not very athletic, that maybe is more into other activities. Maybe he's a talented artist or, you know, a really, uh, you know, a great water skier, which I guess is a sport or very into the outdoors, uh, music, whatever. <clears throat> and I think 12s was birth when we got the tournament at Baco. I think we kept that mindset of it doesn't matter how good we are. This isn't about like the, you know, as much as it is about the sport and winning and making shots and boxing out and, you know, you know, listening to the coach, it's more about the experience for the whole group where the guy who's starting at point guard is having as good of a day as his best friend who's watching him from the hill. And that is something that I think has stayed consistent through even when we glorify the tournament the way we do now. And I think that's why it's so cool. When we say that, I know we're going to get into this, when we say that the earth stops spinning on its axis because 12s is happening, it's because it's everybody, right? It's not just the kids playing. It's every single kid in camp gets into it now uh, in a different way than 14s. 14s is super competitive and it's rah-rah. And the kids are bigger and the opponents are certainly like, you know, there's like weird, hairy kids coming into camp. When it's 12 year olds, it's there's something a little bit more innocent and fun uh, about that competition still. So I know, you know, when we picked it up, there's another camp that runs an 11 year old tournament. And the way they run that, it encourages camps to bring three or four teams. And there's playing time minimums that you have to meet. And when we took on 12s, we sort of took on with the same mindset where, you know, this camp's going to bring three teams and this camp's going to bring three teams and Baco's going to bring three teams and that camp's going to bring three teams. And it was like the more the merrier. And I think one of those years we even had like an A bracket, a B bracket, and a C bracket, and then like there was a playoff where it all combined. But the idea was participation, small rosters, so everybody played a lot and – it's still kind of like that. I mean, if you look, we, we, you know, on a good year, we'll have four pools of three and it'll be 12 teams with three or four, you know, with four or five different camps. And, um, and that part I think is the best because when you are watching 12s and you're standing up on the Hill and it's the one tournament where we have the Superdome going and all three courts going and there's, you know, there's green, there's, blue there's yellow you know there's all the colors of all the different camps and you just look at it and you're like like greg always says this is the garden of eden and um i remember the moment that it that it became 12s well, let's talk from... about that moment let's talk about so let's that get moment. into Maddie, that. Do you remember that yeah because i think something 
Greg, that you certainly have, is you have, like, a certain czar-like power over camp in a way where you can sort of make things happen just because of the pulse you have on the camp. And 12s may be one of your shining examples of when you took something that we're describing right now. I mean, just like a day in camp where it's like, yeah, that's cool. There's a tournament going on. And you took it and you made it like 12s. So why don't you take us through like why you decided to do that, how it came about, like all that sort of stuff. I'm going to let Danny field that question because when we were talking yesterday uh, in person about it he sort of reminded me of how it all went down. I don't really, you know, there's so many magical moments in counseling. They're kind of hard to, so, you know, so many years, so many years have gone by. I, I don't remember the specific moment, but I can tell you that Danny certainly does. Uh, so I, I think the buildup was just years and years of intermediate division campers talking about these 11 and 12 year old tournaments as if they were literally the NBA finals or the final four. Like, no dude, like, He's leaving early, like he's gonna miss 11s, you know. Like, dude, he be back for 11s. Like, are we gonna have him like for 12s? And Greg and I, obviously, you know, getting into our 20s and 30s, obviously made like, you know, like just ran with this concept. And I remember 2010. I remember it perfectly. The coaches were Josh Pudge Devere and Josh Smiley Silverstein, and. Um, the players were Jared Strauss, Josh Levine, Ben Polikoff, Adam Dansger, Jacob Glassman, Ryan Wilkoff. It was that age group. And we hadn't won the tournament in a while. And we won it. And it was like a great ending. And, you know, it was, it was around that time where we didn't win basketball tournaments that much. And we won it. And it was just like such a good feeling. And it was such like the right group to win. And there was such good vibe in the camp and obviously the finals ends at like five or whatever, you know, you do a fake cleanup and then you go to council ring and, you know, we're in the hour after at council ring and, you know, Greg and I have been sitting on this like 11s, you know, he's not going to be, you know, this whole, whole, and Greg just basically just stood there in council ring and just let it rip and just was like, did the whole like, wait guys, like 12s, you know, he just like kept doing it. And it was right then and there. And, and it took on, it was, it was at that night, that moment. And it took on a life of its own in newsletters. I would write like full newsletter passages about like just the concept of 12s and like how important it is to everybody. And, but like, it didn't take anything away from the magic of what the kids were experiencing. It it probably added it because they got it, they got into it too. And then I I mean, everybody was in such a good mood. Like if you're ever going to throw out a joke at that point, like it was definitely going to catch. Yeah. It was going to land. And and then, and then it kind of, and then it kind of evolved into the, the earth stops spinning and there's well, no, no I can wind. Tell you how that, I can, I can tell yeah. you how that happened. So that Dr. Zariot is usually the doctor during the, during that week of camp, not every year because the tournament has changed dates a couple of times, but normally Dr. Zariot is the doctor and he was a sailing counselor when he was a counselor at camp. And now he's a doctor. I, I would say to him, like, can't believe like being a sailing counselor is like part of your medical school training, you know? And so I remember that the next year after we made it a big thing, a big deal, after we made 12 is a big deal. Zaret said to me like that morning, he's like, Greg, he's like, I hope you didn't assign sailing today. I'm like, why? Like now you're like suddenly like pushing your weight around with the sailing program. What are you talking about? He's like, well, because you know, the, the earth isn't spinning on its axis. So, so there's no wind. So like you definitely can't assign sailing, <laughs> you know, like literally the, the oldest 
like employee <laughs> is making a comment about how there's no weather because the earth isn't spinning around. And he was totally serious. Like that, like pulled me aside to tell me that as if he's like the expert sailing counselor, like, Oh, listen, like there's not gonna be any wind. Yeah. Like, so everybody started drinking the Kool-Aid and then we rolled with it. Greg would be standing up on the hill. Like this is the garden of Eden as all these <laughs> games are going on. And, you know, and it really is, you know, a unique thing because the age of the kids, the amount of teams we have, you know, that I think we play more games because the games are short. It's just, it's, it's got a little different flavor than 14s, but for years we wanted to preserve the 14 sanctity and like no painting up and really not draw the big crowd. And then the finals, we get the crowd. There was no announcing a starting lineup. So it was a more like organic. And then um, as it became a bigger deal, we were like, all right, like, maybe we should turn up the volume a little bit and give these guys, you know, the thing. Yeah, I think at least for someone with firsthand experience in terms of what it's like to be an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old in camp when you see all the big kids. Like, here's a personal example for me. My first summer in camp, I was 10 years old, I made the 11s baseball team. And, like, I thought it was, like, the coolest thing. So the day before, right, because 11s happens the day after 14s, the fourteen teams that the fourteens team that year wins wins the fourteens baseball tournament. They run at the dining room. I had no idea what was going on. It was like the most exciting thing ever, and like I was so pumped up. And we were going to elevens, and I just remember thinking like it was the most exciting thing. It was so like I was like it was so intense. I was locked in and whatever. And it's like it's elevens baseball. I look back on it now and I'm like. Wow, like I really cared that much about 11's baseball, but at the time you see the bigger kids and you see what's going on and I think that's something about when you're the little kid standing on the hill and you picture yourself in that situation with the whole camp looking at you. You picture yourself, you know, with everyone mobbing you and getting the trophies and whatever else and you picture the waiters painting up with your name on their back. You picture all that stuff and I think it leads to something where yeah, you might be 12 years old, but you're not going to go around acting like, well, this one doesn't matter. Like, I don't think the people, just because, yeah, college basketball isn't the NBA, the people in March Madness don't all of a sudden go, you know what? This one really doesn't matter. It's not the NBA Finals. No, you don't say that. It's the same thing with Tulls basketball. It's as serious as you make it. And I think as the evolution became where it wasn't serious, then you guys sort of tongue-in-cheek made it serious and then as the tongue-in-cheek seriousness sort of continued to evolve it started to get like actually kind of serious and I think the combination of all of that is what makes 12s why we're able to be here today doing this podcast and celebrating what 12s is I mean I think you're exactly right I think the tongue-in-cheek seriousness if that, that's a good way of putting it um if you would have told me you know two decades ago that, you know, 14s was always my favorite day as a camper. It's I a remember Jeff Filiberto, when he was a division leader, would wake up his campers and say, wake up, guys, for the best day of the summer. Even if you weren't even playing in, in the tournament. It was like, it was the day where, like, Baco Pride was kind of on display. Like, the rah-rah part of it. You know, like, the easy-to-spot part of it. Um, and believe it or not, 12s, like, has carved out its own little place that's equally as special yet so different. And um, when I think back to before 2010, before Greg made, you know, flip the switch on 12s, we had some really exciting 12s wins. 
And I almost felt like they were better because it was like a little bit more of a makeshifty situation. And there weren't the waiters like barking on the, like, I remember, um, one year where we literally were down 12 and outscored the other team 16 to nothing in the last four minutes and won the tournament. It was like such good on bridal funks. It was like the intermediate division was running the hill, you know, and it was like different than 14s. And and now, I mean, I'm so happy that now it's like as, as quote unquote important and as big of a event on the calendar. It's like, it's awesome that we host both of them. You know? So I kind of want to shift though to when, we sort of took the turn from when it was tongue-in-cheek serious because you mentioned the 2010 game, and that was the era when Baker wasn't winning a lot of things. And, you know, now we can kind of look back on that time and talk about Baker basketball in that era, and we were being beat by B teams and C teams and combo teams, and we were making draws, and then we were losing in the semis. It was like that kind of era of Baker basketball. And I feel like now we can kind of look back on that with, like, a weird sense of fondness only because we've now come out the other side and now we've dominated the last few years where we can say, oh, that was the dark ages of Baco basketball. But during that time, and this is even extends to, I think, the early 2010s, during this little, like, downtrodden era of Baco basketball where you weren't getting a lot of wins. Oh, it was the 2010s. I mean, what you're referring to is basically from, like, I mean, that that is the 2010s, you know? Like, but it, in 2010, it was already, like, two years deep, so it felt like forever, but you're exactly right. Yeah, it's like, when, nice it's, beacon. it's like when Duke doesn't make the tournament and the people are, like, apoplectic <laughs> when, meanwhile, so many other schools would be happy to be in. So after, it's a couple of years, right? The reason why it was fun for Greg to take it so serious and do the whole shtick and that first time was because you were hungry for that win and because you wanted something. And I think that ultimately brings us to when my age group played in 12s the final time now danny you can attest to us but there were five people in my age group and we've talked about them many times they took the floor together for the 16s night game but what i want to talk about in 12s and i have a very clear memory of one of the clearest memories i have at camp of the day before this 12s tournament right and at that time potters was still the biggest guy and you have the death starting lineup you mentioned this danny before we started taping those five guys all started in 12s the year before so they were experienced and i can picture bruno coming up to them before the 12s game and saying guys me, Greg, and Danny have been waiting for this moment for five years. And he, <laughs> he was so into he was so into it and he was so ready. And like that was the moment where at least to me, I think back to that quote and I think about how seriously Bruno was taking it because at some point he flipped from and I think you guys too, from like alright, like twelves, that's kind of fun to like, alright, these guys are awesome. We haven't won any basketball tournaments in a long time. Like, let's make this into a thing. So, I mean, I definitely remember it. I'm sure if I describe it, Greg will remember it too. But you're exactly right. We we were in the middle of a of a drought. A real drought. We're talking 2015. Am That's I right? like the peak of the drought. That's like yeah, the peak of was- the drought and. You know, we've gone into this in podcasts before where, you know, 16s, you know, this guy doesn't show up to camp for that, you know, Vardaro's late and 
we he 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 doesn't play and this year Josh Levine's not that you know it's just like one thing after another. Twelves is the last tournament of the year. We're in the biggest drought. We have our best age group. Everything's on the doorstep. We the camp is like already sold on the whole twelves sales job that Greg's done. This is finally going to be the moment. We're bringing it up to the Superdome because it because it, it, it was raining. The Superdome needed a moment. It was one of those where we almost like <clears throat> wheeled in the champagne before we won kind of moments, right. or right. like the, the 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 confetti was like ready to drop. And we that's what you describe, Matt. Yeah, and I know like, we're not kind of. And that day was raining, and I remember this feel because you remember you actually was that the only time you've ever broke out the side courts in the Superdome for any kind of competitive. No, I mean it's happened since, but that might have been that might have been the first time it started. But I remember that so well. It was one of those where we were like, enough of this, like. Everyone's in because remember I said for 12s used to be something where we would send out trips and purposely not make it a high pressure situation. This was Greg wasn't sending anybody out. We were ready to go. The champagne I certainly was, wasn't assigned. I certainly wasn't assigning any sailing. <laughs> and you can go back the to champagne the champagne was wheeled right. in and we had the squad and everything was ready. And that's where we turned the key with like we're turning this up and we're making this the biggest production possible to maximize the fun when we win. Right. And that's and, why, and I know we're not naming specific camps, but let's just put it this way. The team that everyone assumed was the best team was outed in the semifinals. So yeah. I think, and when we talked about, and that it's crazy that 30 for 30 we did about the Ginzy game was like now, you know, 10 months ago. But when we talked about that podcast, one of the reasons why that game was so special in 2017 is because we talked about the Superdome needed its moment. Because this, was this the time happened in 2015. Because this happened. This was a time when it was like, all right, it's organic. The first rain out. We're, we're ready for it to be in the Superdome. Like, we we leaned into the fact that it was in the Superdome. We leaned into like, it. Like, we leaned into it hard. There, there, were some, there were some other details that were also unique, like – the director of the camp we we were playing drove to drove to us to watch our director was there i mean it was a once in a you know once in a camp lifetime setup that we had and this group of 5 that was like the next thing could not have played any worse it was just a and, nightmare and i'm picturing and, myself wearing like the championship hat before the buzzer goes off you know like yeah. like how people have the 1993 michigan national champ shirts you know yeah so so the moment so we obviously didn't win but what that set up was since then for better or for worse i think it's for better 12s in addition to being this create you know greg silver special spectacle you know council ring creation has now also turned into like the greatest basketball extravaganza the Adirondacks has ever seen. And since then, we've actually won it a couple times. And it's just been such an evolution it's, it's from when Greg like was hitting a buzzer beater in 1990. It's, it's, it's sort of like how it used to be the NIT, and now it's now it's the big dance, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, you look through the years, and we've actually won it a bunch of times with some gaps in, in between, but – you know, those early years when we won it, I remember like Sam Ower won it when he was 12 and um, 
you know, like the, the waiters of all four, they, they want it. And then we had those, that a crazy year that I said before where Pudge Devere actually played down cause he was a great lower and they were literally losing by 12 with four minutes and ran the table. There was another year where we actually were winning. We had a team shut out at halftime in the final. We had like some good run. And then there was like a decade where we didn't win it. And that's what led up to your age group. And, but the evolution of this tournament from when, you know, a 12 year old Greg Silver was hitting a buzzer beater as the ringer, you know, at another camp. You know, we, when, now, when we won that, when we, when we won that in 1990, one of the other camps, uh, we always thought like they went out and like recruited other players. And the next year I was like all cocky for 13 thinking I'm going to go in and drop like 15 and drop 10 dimes. And we were going to be the favorites going away. We got smacked like 70 to seven or something. Like I couldn't even get a shot off. And they, they had a point guard that ended up playing at Syracuse. And Danny and I went to a Syracuse game many years later it was Syracuse versus Colgate, and this kid got in the game. Like, I was like, I still haven't gotten over that. You know, yeah. it could have been me. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't get that excited about yourself. But we talked about a couple classic moments, whether or not it's a good one, like the 2010 game, or disastrous one, like when everyone was already celebrating that game in the Superdome before it even started, and it ended up in a loss. So what are some other, like, classic 12s moments that you can think of that really come to your mind when you think of 12s basketball? Yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the softy, like, <clears throat> emotional angle. Um, you know, we work really hard to put camp together. Every single day is like a, is like a huge undertaking. And when you see things unfold and be so successful, it, it feels good, right? Everybody loves to feel appreciated. And, it, and uh, I think it was 2019, I think, Danny will correct me on the year, <clears throat> with Danny on the hill and like we're doing the whole like, look at this, like this is the Garden of Eden. And I can stand with my brother, you know, it's like I, I just love working with Danny. He's such a great guy to work with and he would – pays attention to detail and it's nice seeing his hard work sort of like unfold in front of everyone's eyes and the other camps. And then that later on that day in the finals to see, I know we're not supposed to mention like individual kids, but I'm going to, uh, the, the Burke twins, uh, sort of seal the game. I don't, you know, I think Jake hit a three, but then Tyler, he had a, he had a couple of, free throws where he iced the game and to see the two brothers on the court sort of doing that same back and forth that Danny and I were doing a couple of hours earlier for like, you know, for the job we had to do that day, the Burks were doing that on the court for the job they had to do that day. And so everybody kind of, kind of knew it, that it was special. And they were, they were hugging and slapping each other five and they were so proud of each other. And there was whatever sibling rivalries exist between me and Danny or the Burks or any other brothers in camp. Uh, it was it was all like milk and honey, man, and everyone was so happy. That's the memory that uh, the moment that I that I think of, and then it spawned that um that chant, right? Like 12, 14, 16, 12, 14. Oh, like, that yes, was a that's chant. a great you know, chant. I, I like that one. That was such a flex. I like that, that chant. chant. Yeah, Danny, what about you? Yeah, I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I mean, the the, the Burks one is obviously a great one because it's recent and the Jake Burke hit, you know, the one that Greg kind of glossed over when he hit the three where it literally spun around, did like a toilet roll for like 15 spins 
on the hillside. It was like literally like an iconic Baco basketball moment, like where literally straight away three and it, you know, went toilet roll. Um, but I think the I'm, I'm going to go with two. One of them I mentioned before, I, I believe it was 2001. Um, and I was coaching and I was head lower inter and my buddy Dan Eisenberg was head upper inter and we were coaching together and we were waiters together and it was our kids, you know, the kids that we were group leaders for and we we're playing in the finals and we were down by like 12 or something. And I, you know, I was more like the brains of the operation, but Eisenberg sometimes was kind of the voice of reason. And we called timeout with four minutes left and Eisenberg basically put away my dry erase board. It was just like, it's real simple guys. And he's screaming. He's like, they're not scoring another point. We're picking them up man to man full court and they are not scoring another point. And sure enough, we spent the next four minutes going on a 16 0 run and the Hill was like nuts. And it was just such a good moment for like that group of kids. And it was a good moment for my buddy and I, and it was just like a great way for a game like that to end. It was one of those like, <clears throat> college basketball games where you could just kind of feel it. And it was just like one thing, you know, the kids are missing layups on the other team. We're sticking shots. Everything's and Pudge Devere is wearing like his bandana. You know, it, it was, uh, it was a great moment. But then the last one's more of like a, more of a recent basketball centric where, you know, this was the Eli Greenberger, Miles Samuels, JFD uh, squad. Um, and that team is absurd. You know, they haven't lost anything. And we were playing, I think we ended up winning the finals by like 30. It was a, but there it was, was a one, there, there was one moment where it was just like, okay, like everything's clicking where we had drilled it a million times, but it was, you know, these kids are 12, like they're young. And Eli got the ball in the wing and like impromptu miles. I remember it perfectly. It was on the far right wing on the hillside and they just executed like an impromptu wing pick and roll that like could have been time better and couldn't have been more of like a grown up basketball play. And when those guys executed it, it was like sort of like when Kobe beat Pippen off the dribble and lobbed it up to Shaq and Shaq dunked and you like, all right, like we're winning right, this game and Shaq. we're winning and we're winning the next three titles. It was like that kind of statement. We're like, these two are going to be killing it for the next five years. And sure enough, they were. Um, Great analogy. And, uh, you know, it was a gorgeous day. The courts were rocking. It was just like, it was in a fight. It was perfect. So, yeah, I mean, those are my basketball memories uh, of 12s. But, you know, yeah. Greg in the council ring in 2010 deserves all the credit for this one. <laughs> yes, I think without that moment, I think it's pretty safe to say we're not sitting here now doing this podcast because yeah. 12s has a lot of elements to it. Basketball is, of course, one of them. And you mentioned what separates it from 14s because 14s, I agree. 14s, like, might be my favorite day in camp. It's definitely, it's in the top three, I would say. I mean, that could be a topic for a different podcast. But I think that what makes 12 so different is the spirit of it. It's, I wouldn't say it's so much less competitive, but there's definitely an element to it where, like, you know the kids are young, they're obviously going to be prone to mistakes, and you kind of roll with it, and you get to cheer them on. And I think it's one of those really funny things where the 12-year-olds when I first came were so big, 
And then over time, you realize, like, you get to be 12. And it's like, wait, look, those kids are my age. And then you went to 13. It's like, that's so weird watching someone younger than you. I think it's just a really, like, significant thing as a younger kid in camp. And that's why it's so interesting to me when we talk about this now. For kids that are just coming into camp now that are, like, fully in the swing of things with 12. And we won it a couple years in a row. And it's a whole thing. And the waiters get painted up. And... You know, Greg does the whole thing about 12s and he doesn't assign sailing. And it's like a whole operation at this point. And where he started from, the origins of it, are just so interesting to me. Because if you're a, a little kid coming to camp, you, know, you would never know it was any other way. And you look up to those big kids that are 12 years old and you see them in the spotlight. And everyone's talking about them and they win and everyone storms the court. It's all exciting. And like you think, wow, those kids are so big. And I think that getting to the point where it's not just like a little side gimmick, but it's really in the spotlight, that's a really cool evolution for camp, and it's a great day. You know, the you know now that we're sitting here and we're, you know, finishing up the fourth day of the NCAA tournament um, as we're doing this, and, you know, the round of 32 is just about over, the analogy just came to me. You know, when we're in 14s, it's almost like you're in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight part of the tournament where it's like, or maybe even the Final Four, it's like, there's one game going on at a time and the stakes are high and, you know, the basketball is, you know, important. And there's been a lot of prep and it's just like, it's like an isolated, uh, you know, it's like an isolated production and it's like all eyes are on it. I feel like 12s is like the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament where it's like, totally. it's a little more fun than serious. It's a little more like, can Oral Roberts win? There's a little more like 14 seed. You know, all the courts are going. There's like, flip. There's like, are a, you, there's like a big OB game against the yeah, team. Yeah, like are you flipping to True TV? Yeah. Are you flipping to TBS? Where when you get into the round of 16 and the round of eight, it's like you're just watching the one game. I just want to and make one comment about the – I think that's a great way of putting it. I just want to make one comment. When I was on the 12s B team – I remember that being such a fun day because now I think the coach of that team, if I'm not right, was Rudolph. And that's about right. That team is so funny to me because one of my lasting memories of that team is that we had a practice in the Superdome. And like he like actually took the practice somewhat seriously as the coach of this like really pathetic 12s B team. Like we were trying, but it was more just like to be fun. And he did a thing where it was someone had to go to the free throw line. And if you made one free throw, you had to do a half suicide. If you made uh, no free throws, you had to do a full suicide. suicide. If you made both free throws, the practice was over. And I remember every single player, like you cannot believe every single player missed both free throws. Just completely took turn. And meanwhile, Rudolph has the 12s B team, like this group of lame people that like barely care about basketball. And once they get done, we'll just like go on the hill and cheer on the A team. Just like running wind sprints until like we're dead. I just have a lasting memory. And then in the game, like when the six, the 12s B team, they, they're playing on true TV. They were like, I think we wore tie dye shirts. It's like, it's just fun. And I think it's more of like, I kind of, now that you mentioned, with the tournament like I kind of picture the one shining moment soundtrack with the 12s tournament right it's it's fun it's well, nice well, well it's... because there's well there's also there's so many teams and so many games and all the courts are running we're 14s it's like a little more buttoned up and a little more serious I I can't believe it took me till an hour in to come up with that analogy but it's so true it feels very 
first two days of the tournament, there's just games on all the time and this team's going there and you're watching this, watching that. Or four teams, it's like, we're all watching the semis. You know, like, we're all you know, watching Bruno, this. <clears throat> Bruno, Bruno, Bruno and Danny and I were on a thread on Friday, <clears throat> on a text thread on Friday, and Bruno was so excited about the first day of the tournament and he compared it to that those early rounds of the U.S. Open when you can go and sit courtside and watch, you know, world-class tennis uh, like five yards away. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think, you know, I, I'm glad, you know, I, I think the tournaments that we host at camp, whether it be 12s, whether it be 14s, whether it be eighth grade and under soccer, whether it be the Baco Invitational, whether it be, you know, 12s hockey, whether it be 16 softball back in the day. Right. I feel like stay, tuned, stay tuned on that one. <laughs> I feel like Baco's always done a great job hosting these things and making it a great event for everyone, you know, not just our campers, but all events. And, you know, I think 12s is kind of when, when we're at our best and it's perfectly timed in the summer, just like we talk about a lot of these things. And I'm glad that it's become more than just a filler, you know? I, I think what we're talking about with 12s, <clears throat> it exists all over camp. I mean, the waiter hunt, the temporary waiter hunt, the Junior Leagues World Series, the tennis tournament, the sailing regatta, um, you know, before the Apache Relay, you see kids like laser focused on carrying an orange on a spoon. You know, you, there's so much of that. It's all account. part of the same you'd be, thing. You'd be, you'd be yeah. like, yo, Maddie, like, who's miscellaneous? You know, like, take it all. Like, we take... That's what that's one of the many one of the many reasons, but one of the very special reasons why camp is just so awesome, where we literally can take anything, anything, and make it so funny and so important and so special in whichever way that it needs to make sense for you. And if that means playing basketball harder than you ever had and listening to every worst word the coach says, or if it's cheering on or making a, a, a banner or holding the G-Dog pillow up, or even like going down to the lake and, and complaining as to why they're, why sailing isn't a sign and it's a beautiful day. Like all that, just being in camp and just being able to just be free up there to make whatever you want of a situation. I think that's really what 12s is. I think we just yeah, figured no, it out. You're exactly right. You're, you're exactly yep, right. Yep, nailed it. I mean, for anybody who's still listening this deep in the podcast, that's – that's the deductive thesis right there. I just Maddie Wasserman did. <laughs> yes, that was a good way to wrap it up. Well, if you are still listening, we really appreciate you sticking with us. We're going to have some more content as we head up to the summer 2021. We're getting closer, closing in on it, but it's really fun to look at. Maddie, want to give a little plug about uh, our next pod coming up soon? Yes. Give a so little, we'll, a we'll give a little tease here if you're still sticking around here. We're going to be doing a 16 softball 30 for 30 coming up at some point soon. We're really looking forward to that. Going to have some special guests Digging on. Digging into the archives. Ooh, I'm, I'm pumped for that one. So we're going to do that one in a couple weeks down the line, but that's going to be really exciting. Um, but for today, Spring I think... Spring has sprung. Spring... Yes, it's baseball season, uh, and we're ready to go for that one. So thank you guys so much for listening. Greg and Danny, thank you as always. I think we hit a good topic today. Maddie, one more thing. Maddie, one more thing. Go. Twelves. Twelves. No. Say it, uh, Maddie. Twelves. It needs no other. Doesn't need. <laughs> the, be- the best is how Greg writes it on the schedule. He just writes it in uh, words like 
all caps t-w-e-l-v-e-s like just like embracing it for all it's worth you know yes so all right guys thank you very much for this one all right all right and thank you for listening to this episode of the Live from Lake Balfour podcast. Make sure to listen to our archived episodes, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, and stay tuned for future episodes. For now, I'm Maddie Wasserman signing off, and we will see you next time on the Live from Lake Balfour podcast.